story twenty four of romance of california life by john haberton this librivox recording is in the public domain story twenty four little guzzy bowerton was a very quiet place it had no factories mills or mines or other special inducements to offer people looking for new localities and as it was not on a railroad line nor even on an important post road it gained but few new inhabitants even of travellers bowerton saw very few an occasional enterprising peddler or venturesome thief found his way to the town and took away such cash as came in their way while pursuing their respective callings but peddlers were not considered exactly trustworthy as news-bearers while housebreakers when detained long enough to be questioned were not in that communicative frame of mind which is essential to one who would interest the general public when therefore the mail-coach one day brought to bowerton an old lady and a young one who appeared to be mother and daughter excitement ran high the proprietor of the bowerton house who was his own clerk hostler and table-waiter was for a day or two the most popular man in town even the three pastors of the trio of churches of bowerton did not consider it beneath their dignity to join the little groups which were continually to be seen about the person of the landlord and listening to the meagre intelligence he was able to give the old lady was quite feeble he said and the daughter was very affectionate and very handsome he didn't know where they were going but they registered themselves from boston name was wyatt young lady's name was helen he hoped they wouldn't leave for a long time travellers weren't any too plenty in bowerton and landlords found it hard work to scratch along talked about locating at bowerton if they could find a suitable cottage wished em well but hoped they'd take their time and not be in a hurry to leave the bowerton house where if he did say it as shouldn't they found good rooms and good board at the lowest living price the wyatts finally found a suitable cottage and soon afterward they began to receive heavy packages and boxes from the nearest railway station then it was that the responsible gossips of bowerton were working nearly to death but each one was sustained by a fine professional pride which enabled them to pass creditably through the most exciting period for years they had skilfully pried into each other's private affairs but then they had some starting space some clue now alas there was not in all bowerton a single person who had emigrated from boston where the wyatts had lived worse still there was not a single bowertonian who had a boston correspondent to be sure one of the bowerton pastors had occasional letters from a missionary board whose headquarters were at the hub but not even the most touching appeals from members of his flock could induce him to write the board concerning the newcomers but bowerton was not to be balked in its striving after accurate intelligence from squire brown who leased mrs wyatt a cottage it learned that mrs wyatt had made payment by check on an excellent boston bank the poor but respectable female who washed the floors of the cottage informed the public that the whole first floor was to be carpeted with brussels the postmaster's clerk ascertained and stated that mrs wyatt received two religious newspapers per week whereas no one else in bowerton took more than one 
the grocer said that mrs wyatt was by jingo the sort of person he liked to trade with wouldn't have anything that wasn't the very best the man who helped to do the unpacking was willing to take oath that among the books were a full set of barns notes and two sets of commentaries while mrs battle who lived in the house next to the cottage and who was suddenly on hearing the crashing of crockery next door moved to neighbourly kindness to the extent of carrying in a nice hot pie to the newcomers declared that as she hoped to be saved there wasn't a bit of crockery in that house which wasn't pure china bowerton asked no more brussels carpets religious tendencies a bank account the ability to live on the best that the market afforded and to eat it from china and china only why either one of these qualifications was a voucher of respectability and any two of them constituted a patent of aristocracy of the bowerton standard bowerton opened its doors and heartily welcomed mrs and miss wyatt it is grievous to relate but the coming of the estimable people was the cause of considerable trouble in bowerton bowerton like all other places contained lovers and some of the young men were not so blinded by the charms of their own particular lady friends as to be oblivious to the beauty of miss wyatt she was extremely modest and retiring but she was also unusually handsome and graceful and she had an expression which the young men of bowerton could not understand but which they greatly admired it was useless for plain girls to say that they couldn't see anything remarkable about miss wyatt it was equally unavailing for good-looking girls to caution their gallants against too much of friendly regard even for a person of whose antecedents they really knew scarcely anything even casting chilling looks at miss wyatt when they met her failed to make that unoffending young lady any less attractive to the young men of bowerton and critical analysis of miss wyatt's style of dressing only provoked manly comparisons which were as exasperating as they were unartistic finally jack whiffer who was of a first family and was a store clerk besides proposed to miss wyatt and was declined then the young ladies of bowerton thought that perhaps helen wyatt had some sense after all then young baggs son of a deceased congressman wished to make miss wyatt mistress of the baggs mansion and sharer of the baggs money but his offer was rejected upon learning this fact the maidens of bowerton pronounced helen a noble-spirited girl to refuse to take bags away from the dear abused woman who had been engaged to him for a long time several other young men had been seen approaching the wyatt cottage in the full glory of broadcloth and hair oil and were noticeably depressed in spirits for days afterward and the native ladies of marriageable age were correspondingly elated when they heard of it when at last the one unmarried minister of bowerton who had been the desire of many hearts manfully admitted that he had proposed and been rejected and that miss wyatt had informed him that she was already engaged all the bowerton girls declared that helen wyatt was a darling old thing and that it was perfectly shameful that she couldn't be let alone after thus proving that their own hearts were in the right place all the bowerton girls asked each other who the lucky man could be 
of course he couldn't be a bowerton man for miss wyatt was seldom seen in company with any gentleman he must be a boston man he was probably very literary boston men always were besides if he was at all fit for her he must certainly be very handsome suddenly miss wyatt became the rage among the bowerton girls blushingly and gushingly they told her of their own loves and they showed her their lovers or pictures of those gentlemen miss wyatt listened smiled and sympathized but when they sat silently expectant of similar confidences they were disappointed and when they endeavoured to learn even the slightest particular of helen wyatt's love she changed the subject of conversation so quickly and decidedly that they had not the courage to renew the attempt but while most bowertonians despaired of learning much more about the wyatts and especially about helen's lover there was one who had resolved not only to know the favoured man but to do him some frightful injury and that was little guzzy though guzzy's frame was small his soul was immense and helen's failure to comprehend guzzy's greatness when he laid it all at her feet had made guzzy extremely bilious and gloomy many a night when guzzy's soul and body should have been taking their rest they roamed in company up and down the quiet street on which the wyatt's cottage was located and guzzy's eyes instead of being fixed on sweet pictures in dreamland gazed vigilantly in the direction of mrs wyatt's gate he did not meditate inflicting personal violence on the hated wretch who had snatched away helen from his hopes no personal violence could produce suffering but feeble compared with that under which the victim would writhe as guzzy poured forth the torrent of scornful invective which he had compiled from the memories of his bilious brain and the pages of his webster unabridged at length there came a time when most men would have despaired love is warm but what warmth is proof against the chilling blasts and pelting rains of the equinoctial storm but then it was that the fervour of little guzzy's soul showed itself for wrapped in the folds of a waterproof overcoat he paced his accustomed beat with the calmness of a faithful policeman and he had his reward as one night he stood unseen against the black background of a high wall opposite the residence of mrs wyatt he heard the gate her gate creak on its hinges it could be no ordinary visitor for it was after nine o'clock it must be he ha ah, the lights were out he would be disappointed the villain now was the time while his heart would be bleeding with sorrow to wither him with reproaches to be sure he seemed a large man while guzzy was very small but guzzy believed his own thin legs to be faithful in an emergency the unknown man knocked softly at the front door then he seemed to tap at several of the windows suddenly he raised one of the windows and guzzy who had not until then suspected that he had been watching a housebreaker sped away like the wind and alarmed the solitary constable of bowerton that functionary requested guzzy to notify squire jones justice of the peace that there was business ahead and then hastened away himself guzzy laboured industriously for some moments for squire jones was very old and very cautious and very stupid 
but he was at last fully aroused and then guzzy had an opportunity to reflect on the greatness which would be his when bowerton knew of his meritorious action and helen wyatt what would be her shame and contrition when she learned that the man whose love she had rejected had become the preserver of her peace of mind and her portable personal property he could not exult over her for that would be unchivalrous but would not her own conscience reproach her bitterly perhaps she would burst into tears in the court-room and thank him effusively and publicly guzzy's soul swelled at the thought and he rapidly composed a reply appropriate to such an occasion suddenly guzzy heard footsteps approaching and voices in earnest altercation guzzy hastened into the squire's office and struck an attitude befitting the importance of a principal witness an instant later the constable entered followed by two smart-looking men who had between them a third man securely handcuffed the prisoner was a very handsome intelligent-looking young man except for a pair of restless over-bright eyes there's a difference of opinion about who the prisoner belongs to said the constable addressing the squire and we agreed to leave the matter to you when i reached the house these gentlemen already had him in hand and they claim he's an escaped convict and that they've tracked him from the prison right straight to bowerton the prisoner gave the officers a very wicked look while these officials produced their warrants and handed them to the justice for inspection guzzy seemed to himself to grow big with accumulating importance the officers seemed to be duly authorized said the squire after a long and minute examination of their papers but they should identify the prisoner as the escaped convict for whom they are searching here's a description said one of the officers in an advertisement escaped from the penitentiary on the blanth instant william bay alias bay billy alias handsome age twenty-eight height five feet ten complexion dark hair black eyes dark brown mole on left cheek general appearance handsome manly and intelligent a skilful and dangerous burglar sentenced in eighteen sixty six to five years imprisonment two years yet to serve that continued the officer describes him to a dot and if there's any further doubt look here as he spoke he unclasped a cloak which the prisoner wore and disclosed the striped uniform of the prison there seems no reasonable doubt in this case and the prisoner will have to go back to prison said the justice but i must detain him while i ascertain whether he has stolen anything from mrs wyatt's residence in case he has done so we can prosecute at the expiration of his term the prisoner seemed almost convulsed with rage though of a sort which one of the officers whispered to the other he did not exactly understand guzzy eyed him resentfully and glared at the officers with considerable disfavour guzzy was a law-abiding man but to have an expected triumph belittled and postponed because of foreign interference was enough to blind almost any man's judicial eyesight well said one of the officers put him in the lock-up and investigate in the morning we won't want to start until then after the tramp he's given us oh bay billy you're a smart one no mistake about that why in thunder don't you use your smartness in the right way there's more money in business than in cracking cribs 
besides the moral advantage added the squire who was deacon as well and who now that he had concluded his official duties was not adverse to laying down the higher law just so exclaimed the officer and for his family's sake too why would you believe it judge they say billy has one of the finest wives in the commonwealth handsome well-educated religious rich and of good family of course she didn't know what his profession was when she married him again the prisoner seemed convulsed with that strange rage which the officer did not understand but the officers were tired and they were too familiar with the disapprobation of prisoners to be seriously affected by it so after an appointment by the squire and a final glare of indignation from little guzzy they started under the constable's guidance to the lock-up suddenly the door was thrown open and there appeared with uncovered head streaming hair weeping yet eager eyes and mud-splashed garments helen wyatt everyone started the officers stared the squire looked a degree or two less stupid and hastened to button his dressing-gown the restless eyes of the convict fell on helen's beautiful face and were restless no longer while little guzzy assumed a dignified pose which did not seem at all consistent with his confused and shamefaced countenance we may as well finish this case to-night if miss wyatt is prepared to testify said the squire at length have you lost anything miss wyatt no said helen but i have found my dearest treasure my own husband and putting her arms around the convict's neck she kissed him and then dropping her head upon his shoulder she sobbed violently the squire was startled into complete wakefulness and as the moral aspect of the scene presented itself to him he groaned unequally yoked with an unbeliever the officers looked as if they were depraved yet remorseful convicts themselves while little guzzy's diminutive dimensions seemed to contract perceptibly at length the convict quieted his wife and persuaded her to return to her home with a promise from the officers that she should see him in the morning then the officers escorted the prisoner to the jail and guzzy sneaked quietly out while the squire retired to his slumbers with the firm conviction that if solomon had been a justice of the peace at bowerton his denial of the newness of anything under the sun would never have been made now the jail at bowerton like everything else in the town was decidedly antiquated and consisted simply of a thickly walled room in a building which contained several offices and living apartments it was as extensive a jail as bowerton needed and was fully strong enough to hold the few drunken and quarrelsome people who were occasionally lodged in it but bay alias bay billy alias handsome was no ordinary and vulgar jail-bird the officers told him and that he and they might sleep securely they considered it advisable to carefully iron his hands a couple of hours rolled away and left bay still sitting moody and silent on the single bedstead in the bowerton jail suddenly the train of his thoughts was interrupted by a low from one little high-graded window of the jail the prisoner looked up quickly and saw the shadow of a man's head outside the grating hello whispered bay hurrying under the window 
are you alone inquired the shadow yes replied the prisoner all right then whispered the voice there are secrets which no vulgar ear should hear my name is guzzy i have been in love with your wife i hadn't any idea she was married but i've brought you my apology i'll forgive you whispered the criminal but taint that kind of apology whispered guzzy it's a steel one a tool one of those things that gunsmiths shorten gun barrels with if they can saw a rifle barrel in two in five minutes you ought to get out of here inside of an hour not quite whispered bay my hands and feet are ironed then i'll do the job myself whispered guzzy as he applied the tool to one of the bars for it will be daylight within two hours the unaccustomed labor for guzzy was a bookkeeper made his arms ache severely but still he sawed away he wondered what his employer would say should he be found out but still he sawed visions of the uplifted hands and horror-struck countenances of his brother church members came before his eyes and the effect of his example upon his sunday-school class should he be discovered tormented his soul but neither of these influences affected his saw bar after bar disappeared and when guzzy finally stopped to rest bay saw a small square of black sky unobstructed by any bars whatever now whispered guzzy i'll drop in a small box you can stand on so you can put your hands out and let me file off your irons i brought a file or two thinking they might come handy five minutes later the convict his hands unbound crawled through the window and was helped to the ground by guzzy seizing the file from the little bookkeeper bay commenced freeing his feet suddenly he stopped and whispered you'd better go now i can take care of myself but if those cursed officers should take a notion to look around it will be hard with you run god bless you run but little guzzy straightened himself and folded his arms the convict rasped away rapidly and finally dropped the file and the fragments of the last fetter then he seized little guzzy's hand my friend said he criminal though i am i am man enough to appreciate your manliness and honour i think i am smart enough to keep myself free now i am out of jail but if ever you want a friend tell helen she will know where i am and i will serve you no matter what the risk and pain thank you said guzzy but the only favour i'll ever ask of you might as well be named now and you ought to be able to do it without risk or pain either it's only this be an honest man for helen's sake bay dropped his head there are men who would die daily for the sake of making her happy but you've put it out of their power seeing you've married her continued guzzy i'm nothing to her and can't be but for her sake to-night i've broken open the gunsmith's shop broken a jail and here he stooped and picked up a bundle robbed my own employer's store of a suit of clothes for you so you mayn't be caught again in those prison stripes if i've made myself a criminal for her sake can't her husband be an honest man for the same reason the convict wrung the hand of his preserver he seemed to be trying to speak but to have some great obstruction in his throat suddenly a bright light shone on the two men and a voice was heard exclaiming in low but very ferocious tones do it you scoundrel or i'll put a bullet through your head 
both men looked up to the window of the cell and saw a bull's-eye lantern the muzzle of a pistol and the face of the bowerton constable the constable's right eye the sights of his pistol and the breast of the convict were on the same visual line without altering his position or that of his weapon the constable whispered i've had you covered for the last ten minutes i only held in to find out who was helping you but i heard too much for my credit as a faithful officer now what are you going to do turn over a new leaf said the convict bursting into tears then get out whispered the officer and be lively too it's almost daybreak i'll tell you what to do said little guzzy when the constable hurriedly whispered wait until i get out of hearing the excitement which possessed bowerton the next morning when the events of the previous night were made public was beyond the descriptive powers of the best linguists in the village helen wyatt a burglar's wife at first the bowertonian scarcely knew whether it would be proper to recognize her at all and before they were able to arrive at a conclusion the intelligence of the convict's escape the breaking open of the gunsmith's shop the finding of the front door of cashing's store ajar and the discovery by cashing that at least one suit of valuable clothing had been taken came upon the astonished villagers and rendered them incapable of reason and of every other mental attribute except wonder that the prisoner had an accomplice seemed certain and some suspicious souls suggested that the prisoner's wife might have been the person but as one of the officers declared he had watched her house all night for fear of some such attempt that theory was abandoned under the guidance of the constable who zealously assisted them in every possible manner the officers searched every house in bowerton that might seem likely to afford a hiding-place and then departed on what they considered the prisoner's most likely route for some days helen wyatt gave the bowertonians no occasion to modify their conduct toward her for she kept herself constantly out of sight when however she did appear in the street again she met only the kindest looks and salutations for the venerable squire jones had talked incessantly in praise of her courage and affection and the squire's fellow-townsmen knew that when their principal magistrate was affected to tenderness and mercy it was from causes which would have simply overwhelmed any ordinary mortal it was months before bowerton gossip descended again to its normal level for a few weeks after the escape of bay little guzzy who had never been supposed to have unusual credit and whose family certainly hadn't any money left his employer and started an opposition store next to small scandal finance was the favorite burden of conversation at bowerton so the source of guzzy's sudden prosperity was so industriously sought and surmised that the gossips were soon at needles points about it then it was suddenly noised abroad that mrs baggs senior who knew everybody had given guzzy a letter of introduction to the governor of the state bowerton was simply confounded what could he want the governor had very few appointments at his disposal and none of them were fit for guzzy except those for which guzzy was not fit even the local politicians became excited and both sides consulted guzzy 
finally when guzzy started for the state capital and helen wyatt as people still called her accompanied him the people of bowerton put on countenances of hopeless resignation and of a mute expectation which nothing could astonish it might be an elopement it might be that they were going as missionaries but no one expressed a positive opinion and every one expressed a perfect willingness to believe anything that was supported by even a shadow of proof their mute agony was suddenly ended for within forty-eight hours guzzy and his travelling companion returned the latter seemed unusually happy for the wife of a convict while the former went straight to squire jones and the constables half an hour later all bowerton knew that william bay alias bay billy alias handsome had received a full and free pardon from the governor the next day bowerton saw a tall handsome stranger with downcast eyes walk rapidly through the principal street and disappear behind mrs wyatt's gate a day later and bowerton was electrified by the intelligence that the ex-burglar had been installed as a clerk in guzzy's store people said that it was a shame that nobody knew how soon bay might take to his old tricks again nevertheless they crowded to guzzy's store to look at him until shrewd people began to wonder whether guzzy hadn't really taken bay as a sort of advertisement to draw trade a few months later however they changed their opinions for the constable after the expiration of his term of office and while under the influence of a glass too much related the whole history of the night of bay's first arrival at bowerton the bowertonians were law-abiding people but somehow guzzy's customers increased from that very day and his prosperity did not decline even after guzzy bay was the sign over the door of the store which had been built and stocked with mrs wyatt's money End of story twenty four